So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Ryder University. Now, let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I am Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional located in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached on our website, which is www.cwmi.us or in call 609-716-4700. This week, very pleased to have with us um, Chaya Pamula, who is the president and CEO of PAM10, which is a global technology company. She also co-founded in 2007 following her career tea at Bristol-Myers Squibb. She's a technologist, philanthropist, visionary, mentor, entrepreneur, and above all, a passionate human being. She's an MBA an executive education certification from Harvard University. And she has many accolades, including she's a certified business process management professional, project management professional, um, and her accolades awards include Smart CEO's Future 500 Companies, NGI Biz Top 50, Fastest Growing Companies, NG, NJ uh, Best 50 Women in Business, and NJBIA Executive of the Year for 2018. And there's all kinds of interesting things she's done, which we're going to get into. And I want to make sure that we uh, talk a little bit about you. I mean, you're kind of a, a cutting-edge entrepreneur. You started off in corporate America, working for uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb. And um, I guess you got entrepreneur bug at some point. So can, tell us a little bit about that. I know working in corporate America and making that decision to say, let me go do this all on my own after that nice structure, right? Where you kind of, you're that one piece in that big cog, that big wheel, right? That one cog in that big wheel. And you say, oh, let me go out and do this whole thing. That's a whole different thing, right? So tell me about the process where you kind of thought about that and maybe when you decided to start going out on your own, so to speak. Yeah, that's a very loaded question, but I like the way you said how the, you know, I had this bug to become an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I never thought that I would become an entrepreneur. I was working with uh, Bristol Myers Squibb. I was there with them for almost 14 and a half years in, in their IT department. Um, you know, just to uh, go back to my background, you know, I lost my parents at an early age. I was a teenager. I actually uh, felt a lot secure. And, you know, it took me a long way uh, to reach to where I am today. And I always had this feeling to help underprivileged children. And while I was working at Bristol Myers Squibb, that's the time I really wanted to do something about it, not just, you know, be stuck in my day-to-day -day job and really wanted to follow my passion. And it hit me at some point so hard that I left the job, I went to India, started off my not-for-profit for helping underprivileged children. And then when I came back, my job was waiting. I, I joined the job, but something kept poking my mind that I need to really establish something larger. 
it's not about just establishing a not for profit and helping financially but i really for profit um which is called softkin by the way it's support organization for kids in need um the kids are growing up and they we need to create some future for them and that's when i started to think about how do i establish a foundation that not only supports financially the work that i'm doing but also creates opportunities for these children and that's when it, you know the bug got into my head and i really wanted to create um a you know something an organization um that can address all these things so i co-founded pampen with my business partner in 2007 and um you know it was time for me to leave the corporate america and then really focus on my passion and from that time i never looked back i really enjoy in every moment of the day and everything that i do because of this purpose that is really uh, revolves around whatever i do Well that's really amazing. Yeah, this Softkin which I guess is the support organization for kids in need, right? So was that really developed out of the passion of your childhood when you lost your parents? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience and why you feel so passionate about helping these kids in need? I mean, I assume you have some personal experiences that you had that kind of build that foundation and really give you that passion. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um I don't want to take away all the time speaking about my entire life, uh, childhood story, but I tell you I probably was uh, very privileged to have a wonderful childhood because um my father worked in a um sugar factory um and uh, this was pretty much you know ruled by british and britain so we were brought up in in those colonies right so you know, we had uh, in the house and we were like princes and prince you know in the house and we didn't have to do anything it's a, uh, it was a very very luxurious childhood early childhood i would say and then uh, my father was the eldest of a very large family 16 siblings and after my grandfather passed away he got had the responsibility to take care of the younger siblings and our house was always like 20 plus people you know filled with 20 plus people so one thing i learned during my early childhood my our parents start is to share things not you know it's a privilege to have things and be able to share them with everybody so our lifestyle started to shift from having a so many privileges to sharing because of the large family and then once my father passed away we had to move from there to another small house and that was a big change in my life because i didn't have all those privileges um and my mother really struggled to provide for us um she was a home homemaker and um i i remember the day she really struggled to find the you know to look for finances and be able to you know not only you know pro- provide for us all the education all those expenses and everything we are very fortunate to have a family support extended family support um and my father you know fortunately saved some which also helped us to you know survive not only survive but also my mother always encouraged us to follow our passion So I learned a lot from those experiences and during that time I felt that there are so many orphans out there who do not have this uh, support the support system right so I grew up with the thought that I need to do something for these children especially being a girl not having parents in your teenage you know um, you know the family bonding is so critical around that age which I missed and I used to feel insecure uh i was so confused naive and i just 
So you felt that if I could create something, you know, more like a strong support <laughs> system for these orphans who don't have this privilege of having this family support and everything, it would be awesome. So I kept thinking about it. Then I came, came to corporate America. That was the time I said, you know what, I am ready for this. And that's when I started, uh, when I went back to India and I started this not for profit. Three children now, we have, uh, we are supporting uh, over 100 children in India. Well, that, that, that is just amazing. So when you go into the support, I know we're talking a little about this, but I mean, I think it's really important about that you're kind of how, how, what your thinking is, but so where did you start helping them first? I mean, what kinds of needs did you see first? I know there's a lot, there's a lot of need out there, right? So how did you kind of hone in on what you felt was kind of most important for these young children, uh, especially the young girls? Uh, I know it's in India, correct? So the culture is very, um, a little bit different than maybe what some of us are used to here, right? So you want to speak to that just a little bit about how specifically the little the girls the young girls needed some additional help yeah it's interesting you said girls right so i started off you know wanted to support only girls because me being a girl right but the, every child comes from a different background different story with a different story so for me the focus was more on the orphans and and the girl children right so girls but later on i realized that a lot of times when you do this, you're separating the siblings. So if you look at our organization, you find a lot of siblings there because it's interesting when they bring the children, they always try to bring the boys first and say, we want to educate the boy. We want to find support for the boy. My question always used to be, okay, what happened to the girls? Does he have sisters, right? Mm -hmm. so if they say, yes, they have sisters, but we want to keep sisters at home because they can do some work and find money, you know, earn money for us, but the boy needs to be educated. So that's the culture there, right? So I actually say, you know, bring the girls first, then I'll take your boy too. So yeah. that's how we ended up having a lot of siblings in our organization. So they come from different backgrounds. You know, they're orphans primarily. The way I honed it together is look for orphans, uh, you know, especially give uh, importance to kids who are even having difficulty to, um, you know, you know, find food and eat, uh, you know, every day, have a meal every day. And, uh, and education is the most important thing, you know, we all agree because if one child is educated, they can help 100 other children, right? So um, it's important. Education is important. So those are the criteria we look for. And we do a lot of home study. We follow a, a very stringent process in identifying children and bringing them into the organization. Well, I have to say that that is that is just amazing, and I know I've I've heard this often that that rare to educate a child if they're hungry, right? So you really have to kind of speak that. In many parts of the world, that's a real serious issue, and the fact that you recognize that and said, "Look, let's take care of them." And I like the fact that you kind of do a a co-op thing, right? Well, you got to do a do a, a, a deal there, right? You bring you know, sure I'll take your boy, but you got to bring your 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 daughter with you as well. So. That's a good way. To, that's a win-win, right? So, um, so I guess over time, I'm assuming over time you're seeing more of the young girls are being educated in uh, places like India, correct? I mean, is that kind of a trend where you're seeing that happen more and more and more? Where yeah. they're kind of there are more girls educated, but also these um, the uh, sector sect that we we deal with, they're all from suburbs of India, villages, right? small villages from India, right? And uh, their belief system is so different. They educate the girl for the purpose of getting her married. Right. They don't want, you know, somebody to say, you know, she's uneducated, she's illiterate. 
but they will educate the girl, but not to the extent the girl needs to be independent. So I have mm-hmm. to do a lot of coaching to say that the girl has to be independent. There's no rush to get her married. Let the boy look, uh, you know, come looking for her rather than you going yeah. and looking for the boy. So it's it's just tough. Still, I'm fighting for that. And and the the culture really kind of dictates the girl needs to get married, find the male support in their in their uh, lives. But one thing we also do as part of our organization is I'm very particular about is to create a family bonding. I am a strong believer if you have a family bonding and you have the, the secure feeling in your life, there's a lot of these children can achieve. You know, we are sometimes we're really surprised to see so much of hidden talent in them that surfaces when they are fed well, taken care of well, and you give them that love and secure environment. There's so much talent that surfaces. And it's amazing to see some of these children, how they're excelling. Well, that's just incredible. Um, uh, yeah, it's a great story. We're going to talk a little bit more about like how your corporate America, and then you went off and started your other business. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and listen to Master Finance, and we'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to uh, Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with uh, Chaya Pamula. And we've been talking about her very interesting and uh, uh, childhood where you really inspired us as far as, uh, you know, taking a difficult time and recognizing others and really helping out um, young children, both male and female. So I think it's great. Um, and then you're working at Bristol Myers Squibb, right? And then you you started your nonprofit, the Softkin. But then you got the entrepreneurial bug. I guess you've been doing a little bit on your own uh, as far as the nonprofit goes. And then you started Pam 10. So you want to tell us a little bit about working at a large corporation. You have a lot going on here. I don't know when you were sleeping, but you have the nonprofit going and then you decided to start Pam 10. You want to tell us a little bit about how all that kind of manifested? Sure. You know, I was working uh, in in the uh, after I established Softkin, I came back. And as I was saying earlier, my job was still waiting and I could join back. And as I was working there and uh, the nonprofit was growing from three children to, you know, six to nine to, uh, you know, 12 to 14. I have those numbers to memorize those numbers, how it grew. And as it was growing, my time was getting absorbed more and more because I was managing a lot of it remotely. And then also, you know, I felt that there is a lot more I can do being independent. And I can not only establish a foundation that will support uh, the not-for-profit and financially, both financially and also create a future opportunities for these children. But I, I just felt that my passion for empowering both women and and children, um, it it really uh, hit me that you know I should create something with um, my own capabilities. I've always been in technology, um, and I wanted to utilize my capabilities and create this company. So it's not only about running a not-for-profit, but you cannot do anything, even though you have great ideas, you cannot do anything if you don't have money. I mean, think of this, right? Master your finances. Uh, So 
you know, being financially independent is so important. And I, after I established Pamten, I, the company started to grow and we were looking for talent. And then I didn't see many women applying for tech jobs. And I could, I was, we were receiving more, uh, you know, pro, uh, profiles from men. And then on the not-for-profit side, you know, we have these house mothers whom we bring from streets. We uh, give them rehab um, and training to become house mothers. And we give them jobs within the non-profit organization. We pay them salaries. But there are a couple of instances where they, these women showed interest in, you know, learning something new. There's actually one house mother who, whom we uh, sent for Microsoft uh, office training, and she finally got an administrative job in a school. And she created an opening for another woman to come and get this uh, privilege of uh, education, right? And also get trained. So it just clicked in my mind that if we can create something for these women, the reason I say technology is because that's, that's the field that I've been always in and I'm not very much familiar with other fields. So that's what initiated uh, the thought of creating another nonprofit called SheTech, uh, where our uh, mission is to increase the number of women in the tech field. So this will encourage not only my selfish reason for the girls in the nonprofit to start to see the opportunities, give them the doors to you know meet people uh, hear other stories, learn from them and find mentors, but also, um, you know, create this pipeline, talent pipeline of women where the corporates through our partnerships can find the talent. They can in turn meet their diversity goals because the corporates have diversity goals, but they don't really know the means of how to get there. But SheTech like organization can really upskill, train, mentor women and uh, these women can be anywhere, you know, they can be college grads or women trying to transition um, into technology or women trying to get back into workforce. All of them can be, um, you know, uh, can, can leverage all these training programs that are offered by SheTech. We also do mentorship, right, programs. And uh, SheTech, we created a community where we have um, a lot of women leaders executives uh, we have mentors we have a large network of volunteers and we have companies um, that are also part of that network which is helping us to uh, not only provide these training programs but also do some uh, lunch and learn sessions uh, storytelling you know sharing and encouraging women to uh, opt technology as an option especially you know in pandemic this is one field that sustained very strong and a lot of businesses had to really switch to online mode of running their businesses. So there's real need for technology, which is a backbone to many businesses. So um, we started to see a lot and lot more need for it. And the partnerships with these companies is helping us to understand what is that skill, what are the skill sets they're looking for, where we can um, tailor those training programs for them and then uh, create the talent pipeline for them. Well, there's a lot going on there. So, uh, yeah, what's interesting is you almost create like a little bit of a vertical market, right? So you're you're helping these kids um, kind of get out of a difficult situation as far as just getting trained and learned at a very young age, right? right? And then now you're giving them an opportunity once they are trained. And the fact that you had the IT background, and I, that's a very very big growth area, of course. And there's all there's a very big shortage of IT people, so it's kind of 
doubling the market by adding women, right? If you just had yeah. men, you'd have half the, half the number of uh, potential employees. So now you're working on increasing that. So you have your your the people that you're helping out, which is you know roughly a hundred of them, right? But you're also able to help others out there. So how are these other people finding out about you, and how are you kind of getting out in the community and letting them know, hey, this is available. And so how's that whole dynamic been working for you as far as making sure people are aware of it and encouraging him to consider this? This is a need and you need talent, right? You need people to come right. in and help you. Yeah. I, I you know, initially it's, it's, you will be surprised. I never thought that it would uh, pick up so fast. It's just only a couple of years since we, you know, I uh, founded uh, SheTech. Um, within these two years, we have more than 1,000 women in our network. It's a very uh, fast growth. So not prepared for it. Uh, the way we are spreading the word out is through our net, within our network. And we do a lot of lunch and learn sessions. We do uh, a lot of social media uh, marketing and digital marketing. You know, We use our own company services to promote uh, whatever we do. So I would say mostly through our um, networks and then all these programs that we are offering, we are able to expand this uh, community. Um, and I give a lot of credit to our team, you know, who are working really hard to spread this word out. Um, so, I mean, it's it's really been a very exciting journey with SheTech. You know, me being, uh, you know, I worked in technology companies being a minority, I understand what challenges there are, there are, there could be, and I really want to encourage other women not to have, you know, second guess their abilities, but also see technology as another industry where they can really excel and and, and be. You have roughly a thousand women in the network, right? But now, are you hiring many of them in Pam Ten, or are they also working other places? So you know, they're coming up and they're getting trained right through your other nonprofit, right? The SheTech. And now they get trained. So are you kind of feeding your own company or are you also helping others to get that talent uh, pool that you're creating, which is great? Actually, our company is participating more as a volunteer and also, um, you know, as a sponsor. Right? Mm -hmm. We sponsor those programs and uh, we uh, have our employees who are volunteering. Some of the clients who are coming forward to volunteer and um, teach these uh, women. Uh, to answer your question about whether everybody's getting employment, we don't know, but we are very familiar with four cases where individuals who, after going through a boot camp uh, on the data curator boot camp program, they all got jobs, right? Mm. So it's it's important, and in a small wins really um, encourage you, and it's really gratifying, right? That to see that uh, people are able to find this helpful to build their careers, and we are hoping to see more and more success. Well, it sounds like you're doing something really wonderful, um, and you mentioned briefly about how the pandemic affected this, right? So I think a lot of companies are reliant much more on talent. I mean, not talent, excuse me, uh, IT and tech and uh, you know, all the different uh, communications that we've developed, you know, Zoom and all these other things that, you, that I'd never even heard of before the pandemic, frankly. And now everybody's like an expert with all these online um, capabilities. So what are you seeing moving forward as far as like how your company is going to help fulfill this and like what companies are going to do? Because I think we're kind of getting a new, a new, uh, you know, new normal, so to speak, as far as how companies operate. Right. They're much more comfortable now. It's like when back when we had fax machines, like you had to call somebody, do you have a fax? Do you have a fax? Right. Now it's kind of like, do you know how to use, um, you know, a, a, this technology? And, and most people are like, yeah, I know how to use it. I've had to, I've been forced to use it for the last few years. 
So uh, you've gotten over that training hump, so to speak, or the fear hump, yes. right? Yes, yes. And there are a lot of opportunities. I know pandemic, it's very sad that, you know, it's not, it's, it has its challenges, but also some opportunities that it created, right? So the company started to think differently. Uh, for example, you talk, think about schools, right? For our children from in the nonprofit, the schools are not conducted uh, offline. Now everybody wants to get online. And suddenly we had to arrange for computer systems for our children. And then I had to run for sponsorships and donations to, uh, you know, arrange for some computers. And now you arrange how are they going to be educated to make sure they, they are able to follow those uh, classes, right? So there is so much that we had to do. Then we created a learning product in our company, which we were able to use for our nonprofit. Now we are able to sell to the clients and some schools and corporates as well. So it created opportunities. We have a chamber who is now uh, asked us to create a mobile app. So we created a mobile app for the members to connect online. So all these things are opportunities that are this pandemic has created. And I think this hybrid situation is going to continue because people are getting used to this situation and um, people are still working remote. It's a, it's a, it's, I think it's a global economy and you know, it's a flat world now. So people would want to connect across the borders. This technology is going to remain and this online uh, way of working is going to continue. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Master Your Finances. We'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with Chaya Pamula, and she's got a wonderful story about how she started multiple nonprofits to help uh, those in need, especially young girls, and really develop a talent pool of uh, tech-savvy young people with an uh, area that's expanding very quickly and I know has shortages, and it's it's always on that list of uh, jobs that we need, right? You keep, If you read these yeah. lists about things you should consider, IT tends to be right up there, uh, different variations of IT and, uh, you know, increasing the pool and getting more young girls involved when traditionally just young men were, especially around the world, um, that's been an issue, uh, I think is really going to be helpful as well. You want to tell us a little bit more about, I know you, while you're working, you went back and forth with Bristol Mile Squid, you went and started your nonprofit and came back, and then you decided to start PAM10. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that process? And what the focus of Pantem is, and how Pantem and how that's been going uh, since you created it initially back, I guess, in two thousand and seven, right? Yeah. So yes, Pantem uh, was created in two thousand and seven. I co-founded and my business partner Prasad Tenjala. Um, and unfortunately, we both have same value system. That's very important for partners to have. And he, he also really appreciated the, the vision uh, for Pantem. So if you really look at our mission statement, the company statement um, says, you know, we want to create a challenging environment, a rewarding and challenging environment for our employees. And we value our clients. We want to give them innovative technology solutions. But at the end, you know, you can actually see in the center, we have the purpose of empowering women and children. Um, so the company, the entire company understands um, our mission and the purpose. 
And a lot of our employees, including our clients, they feel really proud to work with us because they, they, you know, many of them say when they wake up in the morning, come to work, they feel that there is a purpose in everything that they do. And that's very, very important for our company. So as a, um, when we established the company, we started with developing some websites, offering digital marketing and then staff augmentation, you know, services, but the company grew and uh, we are now a very, um, you know, solid uh, software services shop. Uh, we are a Microsoft Gold Partner. We offer a lot of software, custom software solutions and also mobile app development. Um, we provide, um, you know, integrations, large integrations. Our clients vary from small businesses to large corporations. Um, and uh, we also provide cybersecurity services, data analytics. Um, we are pretty widespread in the offerings that we make because as we grew in the last 15 years, we kept adding more and more capabilities to what we could offer. Um, and we also have gone, gone, gotten into AI and ML solutions. Um, um, so it's, um, it's a wide range and a lot of different industries. Uh, we are heavy in the financial industry. We also um, have clients in pharma, uh, insurance, uh, retail, uh, consumer products, oil and energy, different um, sectors also. Um, so we are headquartered in New Jersey. Uh, we have offices in uh, New York and uh, two offices in Canada, Montreal and Mississauga. And then we have two offices in India in Hyderabad and Vizag. Um, so it's, I, I should say the company is growing really fast. Um, and we, we, our culture in the company is that we value our clients. One thing we focus in is everything that we do we bring those values, what we learn through our nonprofit work, those values reflect in everything that we provide uh, services, every service we provide to our clients. And we have never lost a client. And all our company so far has grown through referrals from our clients and employees. Um, so that's one thing, uh, it's a great differentiator for our company. Um, and and, and uh, as I said, you know, the, the capabilities are so broad and we are always innovating. We also created two new products. One product is an online collaboration system, which consists of memberships, events, the whole collaboration piece, um, you know, matchmaking with, uh, you know, the members and everything. It's called BizLego. And we have another online uh, learning system, which is called Collier. We introduced it um, in 2020 because of the pandemic, a lot, lot of schools are going online and we wanted to provide that platform. Um, which both these platforms, I also use them for the not-for-profit purposes. So, um, which is really helping uh, not only our nonprofit efforts, but we are able to actually make as products that we can sell to our clients. Well, it sounds like you're, you're developing quite a few things. I mean, the one that kind of intrigued me a couple of them actually well a lot of them but um one's kind of stuck out being a small business owner is i know that that's one of, that can be overwhelming to a small business owner i mean you know all these things are out there you know all these tools are out there and there's more and more becoming available to small business owners and the price points keep dropping down to where it's like wow we should really start adopting a lot of these things right but then it's like okay now what yeah I, yes i know i should be doing things but um, just setting it all up if you're a small business can be kind of overwhelming. Just even though, even if you know what to do, 
and and I guess the other one was nonprofits, which are always like yes. trying to figure out how to fund things, right? It's always like, okay, you're watching every penny and every nickel because you're really dealing with other people. So you're always trying to be really careful about how you spend it. Do you want to speak a little bit to that? Because I know the you know large companies have been doing this forever because they never really had to worry quite so much about the cost. They could always justify pretty quickly. Whereas smaller companies, that's that's a little bit more of a interesting calculation, right? So what are your thoughts about that? And what have oh, you yeah. guys been doing? It's a very, very interesting question, right? A question. Because if you look at small companies, they all their effort focus has to go onto the core business. And unfortunately, in the technology industry, there's so many options available. You go and try to Google something, you get like hundreds of options, right? How do you choose the best option, right? And uh, technology can be extremely expensive, or if you're smart, it can be actually much cheaper solution that would right fit into your need. I think that consulting is important. That's what we do with small businesses. A lot of times we try to consult, help them to find the right technology choice. Um, and also we help implementing those um, choices. We also package our offerings in a way that it's affordable for small businesses. So for example, you're running a small business and you don't want to deal with computer security. You don't want to deal with your um, emails, uh, how to run, you know, you want to focus on your core business, how to run your business. So what we can do is that outsource technology wing for the small businesses that we take care of everything that related to your technology. That's something we are starting to see. There is a huge need that is emerging for small businesses, especially when everybody is forced into utilizing technology to the best possible way um, during this pandemic. So that's, that's the scenario with a lot of small businesses. When you talk about big businesses where with our large clients, we have noticed that when the company is too large and you have multiple functional divisions and the budgeting is done by divisions, right? So you, you allocate budget and some one functional area thinks that there is a need for a certain system technology. They don't necessarily consult across the organization. They go and invest. So then you end up having like mushrooms, like so many different applications doing the same thing and they're all disconnected. And one of the differentiator with our approach is that when we go to these big companies, we try to understand their business problem. We try, try to understand their critical business functions. And what we do is we map their IT systems to those functions. How are they enabling and helping those functions? And we help them to figure out redundancies and gaps. So we go with this people technology process view and we, we give them the a roadmap on how they can reach to their goals by either you know fixing certain systems, making sure the information is passing across all the systems fine, and the process is properly articulated, and the management is able to get the visibility into the data to make informed decisions. So our, our differentiator is we wear that business hat, we look at the process, we just don't go and somebody asks, you know, I need this technology. We ask why and what is the business seat? What do you have in, in your portfolio today? How can you utilize that? and leverage and not spend too much money, get some quick wins out of it. And that's how the approach is when we go to these business, big companies. Well, yeah, that's that's amazing. My wife used to work for a very large company. And she had the exact same issue where they would, yeah. they, they hired a company to develop software and then they would then they would say, well, that's fine. Then they would develop themselves and then yes. they, would, they wouldn't talk to the other divisions. And then they had to go like, wait a minute, 
you know, they'd be literally be printing things off to put it back into another system. Exactly. It was like, well, what, well, wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I was always scratching my head even back then. And that's got to be 20 years ago. I was like, that, that makes no sense. And then uh, but it's great that, that it sounds like there's a lot more available to small businesses now to help them do a coordinated solution. Um, because as you point out, I mean, when somebody looks for things, uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming. You could, you could spend, you know, days or weeks just trying to understand what you're thinking about yes. and have somebody come in and say, Hey, here's what you have. Here's what you can use. And here's what we can help you to kind of put it all together in, in a, maybe a little bit more efficient way. Um, so yeah, we're going to take another quick break here real quick. Uh, where you're listening to master your finances. We'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm here with Chaya Hamula, and she's been telling a wonderful story about how her, your tech kind of helps to weave together all the complicated aspects of tech that most of us mere mortals uh, just want to turn the computer on and have all the stuff work. <laughs> but there's a, lot, there's a lot going on behind that. And uh, me being a small business owner, I really appreciate the fact that this this technology it starts to become is becoming much, much more available solutions based on what your expertise is and let the other stuff kind of do its thing and that's where you come in i really appreciate that and what i want you to touch on just a little bit if you don't mind is anything you're seeing in kind of the nonprofit world um because i think that's a really important part of our culture how is technology kind of helping them a little bit these days become a little bit more um efficient and in, in fulfilling their mission as well yeah that's a great question i can um, share some of my personal experience right being in the technology field and uh, having a not-for-profit, uh, I mean, Softkin is in India, the project is in India, kids are in India. And uh, for almost 10 years, I didn't have a, a strong uh, staff there. Uh, and I was doing a lot of remote management, right? So I had to apply my learnings from the corporate leadership to to apply to my not non-profit uh, wing because you know, first of all, when you speak about technology, I have, um, I speak to my children twice a day. And then I also have, uh, you know, Skype calls every Saturday with them and with the staff. Um, it's, it can go up to three hours, four hours, because I like to be interacting with every child. And then I'm also concerned about their security. So we have installed a lot of cameras uh, in our, uh, you know, premises and which I can, see everything that's happening on my phone. The beauty is when the children are sleeping, I'm awake uh, because of the time zone difference. Mm -hmm. I can actually see peacefully the kids sleeping peacefully. I can see when they wake up and do their things. And then it just gives me that, you know, the secure feeling that, you know, I'm able to see them, watch them. That's, a, that's the importance of the technology, right? So I'm able to use it to the maxim, maximum possible extent to run my not-for-profit. So as I was doing this, I also, um, you know, learned that from a leadership point of view, right, and also from managing the finances point of view. Way back when, conventional thinking is if someone wants to do nonprofit work, 
they have to have a personal story or a personal experience and they would give up everything and start working on the not-for-profit idea. But I think it's, it's, it's important that we also think about how do we run that, not for, that organization and how do we fund the organization? So a lot of these um, you know, entrepreneurial thinking that applies to running a business is, is not different from running a not-for-profit organization. And today, when I see uh, some of the NGOs and not, you know, the not-for-profit organizations, some things are lacking because they're very, people are very emotional about what they do. There is emotional attachment to it. Um, and there, there is a lack of uh, um, sustainability of the, you know, focus on sustainability of the organization, right? It's important that not only create the organization, how do you, sustain the organization for future. So the financial planning is important, right? And the, the leadership, creating the leadership in the organization, successors in the organization is also very critical. And it's I, very hard to find those successors in service organizations. So you've got to build that over the time. I think you brought up a, a lot of good points in the profit world um, because I think one of the misunderstandings people that start nonprofits is it they hear the name nonprofit that means you don't have to make a profit but those who run them successfully actually run them like a business right and they use and that's where your skill set came in from uh, your corporate world is you were able to bring your leadership experience and really structure it like a business and the other thing you brought up which i think is really really critical that a lot of people don't understand is that you have to create a sustainable entity because people will not donate to something that does not look like it's going to sustain itself. They want to know that what you're doing has a viable financial model that's right. going to continue to work. And they're, they're happy to add a little fuel to that and really make it bigger and better. Um, but if you can't show them how it works and why you're going to offer the service that you're very passionate about, it's not going to work. And, and I think you brought up a really another key thing is a lot of people start off these things saying, wow, I really want to do this and everybody's going to just give me money and let me do this. Um, you, you really need a financial person somewhere right. in your in your startup to help you understand how you make that happen. Even if you are the one that's like, let's go uh, spread the word and let's be really aggressive about that part of it. You need somebody in there, right? Otherwise, it's just it's just it's just not going to work, right? So, um, you know. Yeah, and 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 I tell you, the other other um, challenge with the uh, this kind of mindset is, you you it's not only sustainability of the organization; it's also about how do you um, you know uh, the the objective of the organization, the focus of the organization. How you how do you enhance it? And for example, I want to support the children. It's not about just helping them with the, you know, food, uh, the basic needs and education, but it's also creating an organization that helps them to build their future. Um, it's not about how, to, you know, it's not about, uh, you know, feeding them fish. It's about teaching them how to fish, right? Uh, that's, that's important. So our children in our organization, we um, gave them some technology training and everything. And they, you know, four of our children are absorbed in our company as employees. And that's really gratifying. So I think the overall, eco you need to build that overall ecosystem, right? You need to have a strong support system. 
for the non you know for the non uh, non profit work my family is a great support system to me and i have a great donor uh, sponsors support right and my company my employees clients support and again i do not se- separate them i combine everything right in my life i combine everything it's one big ecosystem for me with the goal of end goal of empowering women and children and well, that's that it took me years to get that picture right to understand this is really what i want to do um so no you don't yeah i'm sorry go ahead sorry go ahead yeah we, we help a lot of uh, not for profit organizations uh, with technology solutions as well and and this is where we try to help them you know you got to think like you have to have a corporate mind you have to be like an entrepreneur running the non profit it cannot be like you know only relying on your donations how do you utilize that funding you are receiving and generate more revenue for the organization Well, I have a question for you. You started a number of organizations here. I know anybody who's an entrepreneur has gone out there and started something always has something that comes up to like, wow, I never expected that. So do you have yeah. any of those like, oh boy, and then how did you overcome? What were some of your like surprise if you want to point out one or two? Because I think those are very educational to all of us. We learn when those things happen. Uh, if you don't mind sharing one or two of those, that'd be really wonderful. well a lot there are a lot of learnings for me through the uh, through this experience um i i think uh, you know there is there's always a balance you can't perfect everything when the biggest thing for me was always wanted to see things in black and white and with this experience i i realized there are situations where you know good enough is good you don't need to be perfect in everything so one thing i would say is its prioritization becomes so important in your in your day for me i start my day with an expectation that i'm going to do these few things in a day but something happens i have to drop the ball and take the other one it takes the priority for me it took me time to understand my priorities um you know what my priorities are so i'm in a big meeting business meeting suddenly something happens in my project some child is met with some you know some accident happened an emergency there are times that happened and for me at that time meeting was not important business was not important and i realized over the time what's more important to me i drop it i excuse myself out and i focus on that deal with that situation mm-hmm. um whether it is business or not for profit work it's important that you focus on action plan rather than getting panicked on any challenge that comes in front of you it was a huge lesson learned for me you know from from the experience where my daughter when as a kid when she fell sick or had fever i used to get panicked about it to dealing with these many children and every day i have something or the other going on and realizing that nothing is you know is going to, the sky is not going to fall on your head Mm-hmm. as long as you keep your cool and you start thinking about what my action plan is you can actually deal with the situation in a much more balanced manner than there is no point in getting panicked and that's a big lesson learned for me um so i i'm saying anybody who wants to get into a world like this it's important that you keep your cool and <laughs> and also learn that you have to be healthy you have to take care of yourself that was another lesson for me sleep well, that, five hours in a day and you know oh absolutely sleep's huge 
Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just about we're just about running out of time. But anything final you want to say? That was wonderful. Anything else you want to say before we uh, wrap up today? All I would say is uh, the you know just like how you approached me, Kurt, to you know take my into talk to me. Um, it's so important to spread the word. I really appreciate you helping to spread the word. Um, it's uh, one big thing I would say is whatever we do, having a support system is so so important. As a person alone you cannot achieve what you want to achieve. So that's my final word for today. Excellent, Chai. I really appreciate you coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation. You've been listening to Master Your Finances. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to masteryourfinances.us. Remember, together we can master your finances so you can enjoy financial peace of mind. That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University.